All right, welcome to Trends in Low Places. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cushing, and joined as always by Boy Genius, Michael Howard. Hello, Michael. Hello. How are you doing, Mr. So, Cushing? I'm doing quite well. Back at the old family homestead down in South Florida. Oh, well, uh, How are you doing? Happy Boxing Day to you and your family. Happy Boxing Day, folks. And I believe it's the first day of Kwanzaa as well. Oh, there we go. To, an, I, to any of our listener who uh, celebrates Kwanzaa. I wish I knew a Kwanzaa greeting, but I don't. I think the first day is, I don't remember the word, but it, it means unity. What a lovely sentiment. Mm-hmm. That's so nice. Especially because Christmas not necessarily all always about unity. <laughs> um, Michael, tell me about the war on Christmas. Well, the war on Christmas is, I mean, I assume it's going swimmingly because people will yeah. not stop talking about it. So, um, Are you holding forth? <laughs> yeah. yeah, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, um, war on Christmas. I want to tell you about a new wrinkle on the war on Christmas, my friend. Um, it's it's kind of a more insidious war, a insurgency, oh, if you will. Okay. Yeah. Like a guerrilla so warfare went, on Christmas. Really? Yeah. It's a, it's a you know kind of your the calls coming from inside the house sort of uh, issue. So I went to a Christmas Eve service this year, as is my wont to do. Um, but we, we got out of the house a little late, so rather than going to our typical church down here with uh, with my dad, I rolled the dice on a neighborhood church, mm-hmm. and we, we walked in, we sat down, and uh, there was some sort of weird, breathless, sort of uh, clearly paid-for intro with some guy talking about, hey, just breathe in, Christmas. Breathe it in. This is your time. Relax. So I knew I was in for trouble already. Were you at a yoga, um, cra- uh, like a Christmas yoga class, on accident? It, uh, it could have been. It was um, sparsely populated, like uh, a couple of the yoga classes I've been to. Um, but instantly, they started playing songs I've never heard, and Ooh. had they very clearly had collected a catalog of let's say call them alternative Christmas songs. Uh, so you know. <laughs> Not, not like oh, you know, Silent Night or Oh Come All You Faithful, the the classics, if you will. It was they didn't just pay for the random... they didn't pay for the licensing fees for those. I guess you know what? I don't think you have to pay for licensing <laughs> fees for seven hundred year old songs. Um, they decided to pay for licensing fees for um, some random crap, some just real bad poop songs. Um, one of which was just called "It's Christmas." <laughs> And just like a declaration, no one, just yeah, it's Christmas. Just, it's Christmas. It's Christmas, y'all. And so I was very curious. The the uh, the chutzpah to continue the war on Christmas. The chutzpah it must take to look at the widely accepted canon of Christmas songs and say, "No, thank you. I've got it covered. I'll do I, my own thing. I got this one." Yeah, I'm gonna it I'm was, gonna tread on the on the grounds of. Those great entertainers before me who have come up with new Christmas songs, uh, such yeah. as Do They Know It's Christmas After All, <laughs> and the Beach Boys, where they have the greatest line I've ever heard in a Christmas song, Christmas time comes every time this year, or something along <laughs> those lines. <laughs> well, let me tell you, the, the lead singer of the band at this church... He was no Beach Boys lead singer, who might be named Neil. I don't, I don't remember his name. But uh, he, he was no Bing Crosby. He was nothing. He sucked. He was awful. The songs were terrible. It was hot trash. Michael, I cannot tell you how badly I hated this Christmas service. It was awful. All I wanted was 
just give me a Silent Night. Let me hear some Silent Night. I even like a little drummer boy would not have gone amiss, and I hate would that you, song. Would you but even was, have taken a Santa baby at your Christmas service? Oh, you know what? I would have taken Baby It's Cold Out oh. with all of its all of its implied just rape culture and all that shit. I would have been like, oh, at least this is a generally accepted Christmas song <laughs> because we're all insane. This was all songs that no one had ever heard before, including the entire congregation, because literally no one was singing along. Um, I, I shit you not, one of the pages of lyrics up on the projector screen was just the word do over and over again for like a... <laughs> It was the shittiest. And then the pastor read a kid's book version of the Christmas story as the sermon. He literally just was speaking to children about how cool it might be to ride a donkey into Bethlehem like Mary. It was the trashest, most poop service I've ever seen. And that's the war on Christmas, folks. It's coming from inside the house. Are you sure that it's this not wasn't... Starbucks? It's not the Red Cup. It's the friggin' shitty service you went to because that was poop. So it's like they were. You think that they were maybe practicing some kind of Christmas subterfuge? That they were like, "This is a Christmas service. We're gonna hate. We're gonna make everyone hate Christmas by coming to the service." I honestly, I think it was like they just had a music director who was like, "No, no, no! <laughs> I'm gonna make a powerhouse just <laughs> choir up here, and it's gonna be so sick." I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a new Christmas. It's gonna be so awesome. And then, oops, no one knows the friggin' songs because all I want to do is sing "Oh Holy Night," you mother. <laughs> just yeah, it was just it was horrendous, Michael, and I didn't care for it. It ruined my Christmas. It didn't, but and this this is help. why I I do not go to church for there that exact is. reason. People the making up Christmas, Christmas continues. <laughs> it's like I don't go to church very often, but when I do. I expect certain things I, I want, especially on Christmas Eve. Like, again, there's certain things you just do on Christmas. Yeah. You let, me light, yeah. let me light a little candle. Let me sing Silent Night at you. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me feel connected to my fellow man yep. in the congregation. Yep. No, I'm not going to do that. We're just going to sing this trash song from a trash heap that we wrote it's almost like rats it's almost like you went to home. like an old 60s band or 70s band that was doing a reunion tour. And instead of playing all their greatest hits that everyone paid $150 to go see, they, they decided to play all of the stuff from their new album. <laughs> well, that does actually remind me of a story. I had a friend who went to go see... Uh, who's the lead singer of the Smiths? No idea. No one. We'll, we'll fix this in post. One second. <laughs> Morrissey. Oh, wait. Morrissey. Okay. No, I don't have no yeah, idea. It, is it? It is Morrissey. Really? Yeah. Dude, uh, so that it. reminds me of a story. I went to go see a friend who uh, went to see Morrissey live and uh, expected to hear, you know, some Smith songs or stuff from Morrissey's, like, you know, his bigger hits. And uh, apparently, no one in the world hates his own fans more than Morrissey does because he essentially just looked them in the eye and said, I will not play a single song you know, you motherfuckers, and just played all this shit from, like, stuff no one's ever heard and was just preaching about how meat is murder, as Morrissey is wont to do. Oh. So. Oh. Yeah. Sounds delightful. Yeah. Still just, still sounds better than your Christmas service. Complete. You know what? And it, That was fan service. Because when you go to see Morrissey, <laughs> you should know what you're getting. Exactly. When you go to, to that bullshit church down the road yeah. from me, you walk into a shit storm that you just don't see coming, yeah, you, and uh, didn't care for they it. They have a bit. year to prepare for it. It's it's the same every year you would imagine. 
And you play 12 songs. Right. You play 12 songs, and that's it. They didn't play a single one of the 12 songs. <laughs> it's a bunch of horseshit. Uh, did they have a nativity outside of this church? No, they didn't. They did not have a nativity. No nativity, even. Why, why do you ask? They just, they just completely hated Christmas. Yeah, no, it was just... Yeah, I'm no, convinced, I'm no, convinced you weren't actually at a Christian church service. No part of the Christmas experience <laughs> did they want to present to me, the viewing audience. And, you know, as much as I like Christmas carols, I, I do like, like a good nativity scene as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a couple around the house here at my parents' place. One has a plastic little tykes toy oh. in place of a porcelain baby Jesus. So, yeah, <laughs> they're, uh, they're really nailing it down here at the Cushing household. Well... Here's the question, though. Would you rather have no nativity scene at all at your church or possibly a Spanish dildo nativity scene? I'm going to need more information. <laughs> well, apparently there was... First of all, wait, real quick. <laughs> what makes a dildo Spanish? <laughs> I'm not does sure. It, does it sleep for an hour during the the afternoon? What What's its... Thing? They were not Spanish dildos. It was a Spanish dildo nativity scene so it was in spain oh okay it was in spain it It was a sex shop in spain um and they have dildos with uh joseph and the virgin mary and baby jesus (laughs) printed on them (laughs) okay And, and they put uh they put these dildos in the window as a nativity scene and people got very upset so they took them down they took them down because there was there was protesters outside and their shop got vandalized. But instead of just taking them down and being like, "Oh, hey, our bad," they actually replaced it with a, a poll to say whether they should put it back up or not. And so seventy eight percent seventy eight percent of over nine hundred and eighty eight people voted in this poll. By the way, at the <laughs> Spanish that shop. is scientifically significant, friend. <laughs> And 78.5% of those people said, yes, it should be put back up. And you should not you should not give in to blackmail. So they put it back up. Finally, reasonable people prevail. Exactly. I'm moving to Spain. They know how to vote there. I'm so, cu- I'm so curious about the display. Um, I want to know if it was like, maybe like a little rabbit fella for the baby Jesus. <laughs> it looks, it like looks a like, dong for, it looks for like just, just really standard they look like they might have even been like blown glass dildos. Oh, <laughs> how delicate! Yeah, I mean they're they're actually quite. If you gave this to your grandmother, uh, she may not even realize it was a dildo. Well, thank God my grandmother's <laughs> dead because if I can't even fathom giving her a glass dildo as a Christmas present, you it has Virgin Jesus. Mary on it though. <laughs> well, she was very Catholic, exactly. so she might appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I will say that story reminds me of uh, a couple years ago in Florida, uh, the Satanic Temple uh, <laughs> in Florida lobbied basically to have the Capitol building include a uh, winter solstice banner <laughs> along with the nativity scene to endorse Christianity. So it wound up that the Satanic Church won a lawsuit to allow the nativity scene, a winter solstice banner, and a... Uh, a Festivus pole made of beer cans and a small pile of noodles in honor of the flying spaghetti monster from the Pastafarians. And people say, say Satanists do no good. 
and I I would vehemently disagree because that is one of my favorite stories of all time. <laughs> so are Satanists? I've never really quite understood Satanists. Are do do Satanists actually worship Satan? I don't know enough to speak on the topic at this point. I feel like they're just sort of internet trolls in real life. <laughs> like they're just people who have a lot of free time and just want to like fuck with essentially the Christian sort of government or you know or not government but basically the framework government. <laughs> like societal framework we have okay. going on it's just these people who like are willing to fight for free speech and like want to be like hey you should include my bullshit religion too because <laughs> the nativity scene is in front of the capitol building oh also this thing that was made up on seinfeld yep that should be there too <laughs> we were at the uh the chris kindle mart in Chicago here, downtown Chicago. They do the German... What is that, Michael? The German Christmas market every year in Daly Plaza in Chicago. And they always have this giant nativity scene. And we walked past it. And this year they had a, a big painted billboard dedicated to all of the people who identify as atheists. And there was like a big A oh. out there. And it, it was a whole thing. And I, I don't know. I mean, like... If I'm going to identify with with anything, it's usually like agnostic or atheist, but it just seemed odd to me. Yeah. Because like, like tacked on. Right. Like it's not an atheist holiday. <laughs> like it's still it's it's a Christian holiday or or Judeo-Christian holiday because, you know, if you if you lump Hanukkah in there. And so I, I just I think it's odd when when people are like, ah, you put have a nativity scene or you, you have this Christian stuff. You need to put my stuff, too. And it's like, well, if you had a holiday around this time, maybe we would. But you but you don't. Yeah. If your non-existent God had a birthday here, <laughs> then, yeah, sure. We'd be we'd be all up on for sure. I also I mean, like for something like the Chris Kendall Mart, too, it's such a sort of non-denominational, just like Christmas sort of themed thing. Right. Which like. You know, Christmas itself was built on a pagan holiday, like Saturnalia and all that stuff. So it's just like, you know, there's nothing inherently Christian about Santa. You know, there's some very anti-Christian about Santa in general. (laughs) And it's just like, I mean, the fact that there's a nativity there is one thing. But it's just like, at a festival like that, it's just like, hey, we're, it's just a little German market with a lot of red and ornaments flying around. No one, no one should really give a crap. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I'm... Which, again, the war on Christmas continues. War on Christmas. Have to put our giant A there to represent atheism so that everyone yeah. knows. Yeah, this is a maybe a, a side topic we can get into later. I feel like this might be a whole other topic we can talk about. Atheists just button into shit that, <laughs> like, why? What are you doing? Like, no one gives a shit. Like... That's my big deal with like Dawkins. Like I don't, I don't care. We can, we, we can probably cut all this. But, but. <laughs> you're just like, I don't need you here. Like you don't need to be here. Yeah, and what, what's up? The thing is, is I agree. I agree with Richard Dawkins. I read his books. I try to choose my battles more carefully than that. Yeah, like there's there are fights worth fighting, and that like christmas does not seem like a fight worth fighting especially because eventually it's just going to be won by target and macy's anyway like i think it's already there i mean the pope was already like christmas sucks guys yeah it's all materialism at this point and and that's cool pope yeah like cool pope is like no christmas yeah sword blows (laughs) like where do we where do you go from there as a as a holiday of your religion as the founding of your religion if the pope is like yeah this blows yeah. 
So now that we've addressed the war on Christmas, Michael, I want to address the ongoing war that is 2016 on people that we love and respect. And how about you? How about you take a deep breath and tell me who 2016 killed this week, please? Well, because you're not going to like this, and I'm pretty sure no one else is going to like this either. But if you did not know already, we lost two greats. Uh, and actually a third shortly after that. But uh, mm. first on Christmas Day, George Michael, Careless Whisper, Wham. 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 Uh, he died. Very I'm young. Like, very, very I'm young. Be honest, I'm not even a big Wham fan, but I am a massive George Michael fan. That guy yeah. seemed like a, a great mm. dude. Yeah. That's a you know, and, summer. You know, he was a... There was a lot of articles about him and you know he's he just seemed like a like a good dude. He he was not super interested in like fame and and all that stuff that came along with it, but he dealt with it and he was openly gay before that was like a cool thing to do. Um before Ellen. Way before yeah, Ellen. I mean, he he actually dealt with people calling him gay for the longest time before he was even out and I think probably before he even realized it. And so it was kind of an interesting thing that he, he was I saw an interview with him where he talked about how he actually like all the songs he sung about women back in the day before he realized he was gay were actually about women. You know, right. it wasn't like he was making it up. So um, that was, you know, he was a good dude and he was very young, 50 something years old. Late yeah, 50s. he seemed like one of those guys that I kind of uh, my my brand of. uh volunteerism just that sort of quiet give when you can and obviously you know he had quite a bit more to give than a lot of people but you know he didn't do it for recognition he would just sort of privately give to hospitals or people in need and you know didn't need recognition for it and i like i thought that was so awesome I, uh, that, that's he's a uh, he's one we're gonna miss it just beyond music i think he had a such a huge impact beyond you know just his personal identity and his life he just seemed like one of those guys who just worked hard to help people out so yeah, I mean, and of course, tough. since he was a good person and since he did help people out, 2016 um, decided to kill him. Had to take him Had from us. Had to take him, um, mm. which me leads me into my next one. Um, Michael. Carrie Fisher. <laughs> I know. Um, my first crush, not going to lie know. to you. You know, she battled after having that heart attack on the, on the plane, um, and we thought she was going to pull through, and then... Uh, it was one of those fakeroos. We talked about yeah. we talked about uh, Buzz Aldrin being mm -hmm. medevaced from the Antarctic, mm -hmm. and then uh, seemingly okay, or he was okay, but then 2016 took John Glenn away, and this was one of those. She she seemed all right, like you know she had the massive heart attack. I thought she was gonna be okay, and then boom, two three days later, we get the news that she is gone. That that one hurt. A yeah, lot. and she it, was. It happened. It happened right before. I went to go see Rogue One uh, mm. last night. So it happened right before. Um, had to see the CGI'd young Carrie Fisher at the end of that, which really hurt my heart. And then turned on the phone after the movie. And first first alert was the fact that uh, Carrie Fisher's mom, Debbie Reynolds, passed away. Yeah, um, that's awful. I mean... <laughs> And I only know Debbie Reynolds because my sisters, or my younger sister in particular, used to watch uh, like AMC and TMC all the time, and some of her favorite movies were Debbie Reynolds. So 
I had minimal exposure, but she seemed great. But like Carrie Fisher, even just beyond, you know, being Princess Leia, just her in real life was such as like a massive presence in show business. And she seemed Mm -hmm. so huge. She was an advocate for mental health. Um, She was an advocate for women. It was like every time I saw anything from her was just a treat. She seemed like one of the most genuine, just passionate people uh, who had been through the ringer a couple times and come through the other side. And uh, yeah, that one more than a lot of the other one, people who died this year, she was a piece of my childhood that I was not prepared to lose. And Mm -hmm. uh, 2016 ripped her away just like it has many other folks. Yeah. I mean, the only good news is that there is now only two days left in 2016 We're almost there. Our hope is that 2017 will somehow be better. Which, I'll be honest, seems like an optimistic hope. But I will say, uh, I know there's a tendency to reduce 2016 to being the worst year ever because of celebrity deaths. I will say that I had just personally a a not great year. Um, There's a lot else that went on, a lot of other bad, bad things, uh, and a lot of good things. 2016 wasn't always all bad. Um, so I don't want to dwell too much on the celebrity deaths, even though they are heartbreaking in, in a number of ways, especially, I think, for our age group. A lot of our 80s, early 90s heroes were, uh, you know, who defined our childhood are now gone. But uh, we did mention something that came for me and I think for you that came out good. Uh, Rogue One. I thought that movie was great. And I think in a lot a lot of ways. um I know she's going to be in the, in the next Star Wars movie, but I thought it was almost a nice little capstone for Carrie Fisher. And you said you walked out of the movie. Um, the last word of the movie is a CGI, admittedly, but a young Carrie Fisher <laughs> saying the word hope. Yep. And I feel like that's what I'm taking into 2017 All right. because of because of her, because of Rogue One. Uh, and I got to say, I thought that movie was awesome. I don't know how you felt, but it was. I think it was one of my favorite movies of the year for one. and possibly my favorite star wars movie i'm gonna say that yeah yeah i you know my first reaction was that it was my favorite star wars movie and i'm going to kind of out myself a little bit here in that i never saw the original star wars movies when i was (laughs) nerd Nerd. (laughs) i didn't see it until they were actually re-released uh in like the late 90s I had oh. seen bits and pieces of special the, of them edition. Before. You didn't even get the real experience. I know, you I know, and and George Lucas bastardizations. And I'm not usually a person who likes old movies if I haven't seen them before. You know, they just they don't have the I don't know, like the the newer qualities and and the just the you know movies just got better. They've gotten better at making them. But right. I will say that when I walked out of the theater um, watching those the original trilogy, I loved them. I loved them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I was very impressed that they held up as well as they did. But since they don't have that special kind of place in my heart as a child um, and judging it just from the merits of the movie itself, this Rogue One was a great movie. You know, I read something going in where somebody was like, it's the best war movie since Saving Private Ryan. And I was like, ah, that's that's funny. And then I was sitting there and I was watching it and I was like, I got that same kind of heart racy feeling, even though in Saving Private Ryan, I know that we 
did it. You know, it's yeah, we, we true beat story. the Nazis. We, we took won. care of the Nazis. Well, we we put them in we put them at bay for a little bit, apparently, because we've let yeah. them back in now. <laughs> <sighs> Twenty sixteen, you yes. sack of shit. You keep coming but, back to haunt me. But I got that same feeling where I knew what happened because a new hope is the next movie. So clearly they got the plans. But right. I still had that nervous feeling every time and I think that was a, it was just a great bit of storytelling to kind of put a lot of meat behind that the mythology of getting those Death Star plans and and how that really ties into the rest of the movies and so I thought it was awesome it was great action scenes the acting was great the um Jen was the the girl who played Jen was awesome she was badass yeah. yeah she was incredible and that blind dude I don't know who he is I don't know if he's part of Star Wars canon of any sort but he was like the coolest, baddest dude I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, Donnie Yen is the actor. He's I don't think he's in any of the, like, the shows or anything like that, but he was great. I thought it was an interesting look. So in a number of ways, um, you know, we talked a little bit about religion earlier in this episode. I thought that was a very interesting look into a topic that people don't talk about much in 2016, or it seems a little taboo. Um, just like the value of faith in a movie. And I thought he was like, just such an interesting character. And I wish that, um, I think if I had a critique of rogue one is that, um, given the, the weight it had to carry and like the story it had to tell in a, you know, two and a half hours, um, they didn't get to really dig into a lot of characters. And I thought he was, he was a fascinating character in that he, he had his faith. He believed in things that, you know, he wasn't a Jedi, you know, and in the Star Wars mythology, if you're not a Jedi, you don't really have powers, you're just a normal, normal schmuck doing your thing. You typically don't even believe in the Force, but he had that faith that he, you know, could guide him through things, and it did to a certain point. And, <laughs> like, I, I thought that was such a fascinating look into, like, into the deeper mythology of the universe. I thought it did a lot more than the typical trilogies do, where they just focus on you know, really one family and you know one group of people. And I thought it was an awesome look into like the larger, like just him in particular was like a fascinating look into the deeper meaning of the Star Wars, like universe or galaxy or whatever. I thought that was great. Yeah. You know, I think that one of the things that the, the, the other Star Wars movies do is they, you know, it's a great job. It, it's a space epic, but it focuses very much on that, like grand storyline and everything advances that grand story of like, we got to kill the Death Star, you know, we got the the revenge, you know, the, uh, the the ride, the rise of the Empire again. Everything's around Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker and, and all that stuff. This movie did a great job of, like, really showing you the more ancillary characters and how they really play into it. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to say a spoiler alert real quick. Um, if anyone hasn't seen Rogue One, take a minute off. Just fast forward. Maybe two minutes. <laughs> so here's your warning. So one of the things I like to build on your point that I really enjoyed, since it is such a character-based movie and it's these individuals who are sort of banded together for a very specific mission, which we already know the outcome of, I was really glad that Disney gave them the creative freedom to let the characters end. Uh, you know, they all, at the end of the movie, they all die. And I didn't know if that was going to happen until... Um, the droid K2SO is killed in mm -hmm. the beginning. And like, that was the first sign I had uh, that uh, things were going to go south for our heroes. 
that like in a way that I kind of expected. Um, so I was I was surprised and very happy kind of to get that signal that the show was going to go on, but these characters would come to an end and let them fulfill their own arcs in their own way. Yep. And it was tough to watch because like you know I was even even the fact that these characters were a little bit one note and a little off like. They were so good, and I'm, but I'm glad that they got to have like a self-contained story. I thought that was great. Yeah, you know, one of the things that Curtis said when we left the movie was he wasn't sure if they were going to have the balls to um, kill everybody, basically. Yeah. You know, I mean, but that that's the whole thing is that the entire New Hope is rested on the fact the that... The sacrifice like, that they right, made. Right, the people sacrifice themselves to get these things to Princess And Leia. actually... I, I read an article. The uh, the director Gareth uh, Edwards actually also didn't know uh, that he was going to have that freedom. So he actually wrote an <laughs> ending uh, where everyone lives, or most of the people lived, and like he like he actually shot some of that ending. And then Disney was like, "No, it's okay. You can go ahead and kill everybody," <laughs> which is a very non Disney move, but yeah, I think very sure. very good for the movie. Yeah, um, I'm really really excited for episode eight. Yep, that um, one should be good. Um, Ryan it, Ryan Johnson, Rian Johnson, I'm not sure how you say his name. The guy who did Looper, I think. Yeah, yeah that should be good. Loved. I'm a big I loved Looper. I thought that they that that movie did probably one of the best jobs I've ever seen at really dealing with the paradox of time travel. Yeah. That was a solid one. And yeah. they actually did a very good job of making Joseph Gordon-Levitt look like Bruce Willis, which is not an easy task. <laughs> no. Not at all. No. But Speaking of Rogue One, I do want to rewind a little bit. I think a lot of what we liked, and even what we liked of the newest movie, Episode 7, um, some people might have a problem with. Uh, you oh, mentioned You mentioned the uh, the female protagonist, Jen Erso, mm-hmm. and how I think we both enjoyed the actress who played her and that she was awesome. Yeah, she was uh, great. Yeah. Um, many people boycotted this movie and... Uh, and the episode seven uh, with uh, Daisy Ridley as the female lead because it was a social justice move or just trying to ram female characters down our throat. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the terms uh, Mary Sue, but that's the typical term for a female character who just gets powers for no reason and uh, just has stuff. Very similar to Luke Skywalker. I was going to say, gets powers for no reason, kind of like every other male character in a one of these epic exactly. movies ever. But uh, yeah, there were a lot of people who boycotted the movie before it ever came out. Oh well, not they, just... they missed out. They missed yeah, out. Yeah, they time. did, and not just because of that. Not just because there was a female lead, but also because uh, the uh, the writer um, and the director, most of the writer Chuck Wendig of Rogue Scott, made it pretty clear that he viewed the Empire as a white supremacist, uh, human supremacist in that universe uh, organization, and. Uh, Certain people, you might not be able to guess who in uh, uh, in the real world, had problems with that ideology being presented in a movie. Yeah, um, I can see it because that was one of the interesting things about the the rebel cause is that um, <laughs> you don't you don't see just humans; you see a lot of other other creatures. Um, but none of those creatures seem to be involved in the empire at all mm-hmm. it's all humans. it's a human organization white humans all all white humans except for the one uh stormtrooper who escaped in uh in episode seven and that was post-empire let me put my nerd right. hat that on. is true that, was, that yeah. is true 
I, c- I could break it down for you, but uh, the Empire <laughs> as it exists in uh, the original trilogy is a, a white human organization. Um, so something, Michael, that I've noticed. Um, so I'm a lifelong nerd, I would say. I, you know, I've Mostly I've been uh, more of a fantasy reader, um, but I also grew up playing baseball, being sports, semi, like I think what my dad might hope was like a, a little little macho kid. <laughs> Um, but, um, something I've noticed with, with Star Wars in particular, uh, particularly online is the response that, um, as things change, like bringing women into the cast or into the fandom even, uh, and even with comic movies, it's that true nerddom belongs to men, but not just men, but also to your stereotypical white man who, you know, you probably, you know, anyone who's been to high school or has seen a movie probably knows the look. It's a kid with with acne and glasses and he has the big backpack. Um, so I wanted to invite our good, good friend Curtis into this conversation. Um, hey, y'all, it's Curtis. Um, he's a, a, a lifelong nerd as well. I think he might bring an interesting uh, perspective to this conversation. He's a big old comic fan. Curtis, go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay, folks, so we had some technical audio difficulties because, let's face it, we suck at this. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and reintroduce our good friend Curtis Perry, and then we're going to get back into a sweet conversation that we had about the Death Star and Star Wars lore and how I know more about Star Wars than either two of these morons. So, Curtis, please go ahead and take care of yourself. What's up, my dude? Oh, I beg to differ, shit zipper. Um, I, I am Curtis um, Perry. Someone knew what Death Star 2 was and someone didn't, my man. I knew what Death Star 2 was? You suck. Okay, here, here we go. I'm just gonna... The audio doesn't exist anymore, mm. so let's take my word for it. Curtis, please go oh, ahead and say hello uh, to the Jesus peoples. Christ. Hey, hey, y'all. Uh, this is Curtis Perry Jr. I'm going to put that in there so I don't besmirch my father uh, with the things that I may be saying. Uh, I'll be joining dudes every once in a while, you know, popping in out to bring in that special guest feel. Uh, the guys want to bring me in more or less to talk about uh, a little bit of fatherhood action as well as um, some maybe some things going on in our times to, go, to do with race because uh, I am a black man. Huh? What? I had no idea. I don't see color. Yep. Yep. There it is. There's the, just revealed the secret right off the bat. Um, so I can come in and say some stuff that may be uncomfortable for everybody else. But uh, I don't give a fuck. So let's get it on. And here we go. What's a boffin? A boffin is an alien race. <laughs> <laughs> That's put my nerd hat on. Uh, the boffins died stealing the plans for Death Star Two and Return of the Jedi. Wait, so so they didn't learn? They didn't learn from the mistake of storing the plan somewhere on the for the first Death Star. So they they were like, hey. Let's make a new Death Star, but let's let's store the plans in the same place. Well, obviously not the same place, but that's true. <laughs> they were a trap. You see, <laughs> they were too. They were they were. Oh God, this is such a fun conversation. So they were meant to bring the rebels to to Endor to try to to, to cripple the, the Death Star and allow them to also if, to reveal the location of the rebel base. So I I will not identify myself as a nerd. Because I did not follow any of this stuff when I was younger. Uh, this is all a new <laughs> fascination with me. This this Mar- Marvel comics and and Star Wars and stuff. Uh, it's a it's a fairly new phenomenon for me. So I kind of bring the perspective of someone who is coming into it as like I don't know anything besides what's in the movies. Right. 
So, well, I think Michael, that's you know, actually I, a, a perfect sort of lead in. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, if you had, do you have anything else to say on that? No. Okay. So I, I think that's actually a perfect lead in <laughs> that uh, to Curtis's point, and I feel like. I think with Star Wars and a lot of the comic books, there's, um, you know, Curtis talked about this earlier. It's a sense of ownership on pop culture that a lot of people feel, specifically nerds, that when it wasn't cool and people got beat up for liking these things, that, you know, that defined who they were. That sort of defined their personal struggle, if you will. And now that it's a little bit more open and a little bit more mainstream, there's that attachment that, I used to get beat up for liking this thing, but now you like it because it's on the movies. Um, and maybe it's because I, I grew up with sisters who I think had to be a little quieter about their love of things. Uh, just, you know, mid-90s, you know, I think that was still in that stage where, at least in my family, I think a lot of other families said, yeah, girls are supposed to like certain things and guys are supposed to like other things. But, you know, those movies, you know, Star Wars defined my sister's lives just as much as they did my childhood. And I know... Then probably in different ways, I think I only just started appreciating Princess Leia as a character, you know, in my mid-teens and probably 20s. And then even more recently, looking at Carrie Fisher as a sort of pop culture force for um, for feminism and for mental health, you know, awareness that that's what she didn't just bring power to her role. She brought power to pop culture and i think in a lot of ways that harrison ford and mark hamill even didn't so i, I think i only just started appreciating in ways that my sisters probably have for years and i think you in... know what i find really interesting speaking on that point mm -hmm. that you know we look at like you know the, the the delineation between like jocks and nerds right um and we always look at like the people who play sports people who are jocks as like oh this is a it's like toxic toxic masculinity and like oh they're overly manly and all those types of things but it just goes to show that it's like there's no boundary for that like right the toxic masculinity just <laughs> overflows into literally everything because even nerds are like oh you're a woman you couldn't possibly understand the nuance of star wars or marvel comics except for the movies because you're a woman yeah i think and it's so a... it's kind of amusing to me that like even on that topic that you still see <laughs> that type of masculinity and like trying to own or you know own things that you really don't own and no, i think it's, it's yeah curtis go ahead sorry no, it's correct so like it's 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 funny because you look at the the recent years of what's happening with our professional athletes and you're seeing more and more of that masculinity bleed into physical abuse um to women domestic abuse and if you look at, really look at deep what what has happened to nerds and what who nerds were as they've grown up, it's led to mental abuse. It's led to online bullying. It's led to the culture of not being able to go on Reddit or leave a YouTube comment without being just utterly destroyed as much as possible by a person who who is anonymous and is able to say these things to you because, once again, they feel the sense of ownership. So it, it, it seems like it's just, uh, I guess we're just the problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like you know, um, you look at the common denominator between all of these things, and it's uh, it's dudes. <laughs> we 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 kind of suck. It, 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 uh, it's guys, not, uh, it's not completely our fault. Go ahead. Not all men. Please. <laughs> there it is. There yeah, it is. nailed it. Anyway, I'm uh, for it. Yeah. Well, Curtis, we talked about that last week a little bit about the the toxic masculinity in sports, and I feel like it's almost a 
a different brand on the internet. I think particularly with the the nerd subculture, which you know, in a lot of ways, I think we're all maybe a little bit to varying levels more familiar with. And I think it's even this, you know, that Reddit like, you know, fedora wearing milady sort of like chivalry, <laughs> where they think they're these nice guys who um, have right. to like respect women and they're like jerk you know like you know other men are taking advantage of like the nice women that they can't get and it's it's just like it's a the white knight syndrome exactly it's it's a subversion of like of chivalry in that um you know women can make their own decisions or enjoy their own things or enjoy things that they like without it being seen through the lens of their own nerdery and i fully agree with especially on reddit on twitter it's like it's that fake gamer girl syndrome or like, you know, well, my sister, when she when she's seen out in public with a Marvel comic shirt that she can't really be a fan, she must only like the movies or some crap like that. And I think it's like it's it's a crazy foil of like the toxic masculinity in sports and like this gentleman's toxic masculinity in in uh, in nerddom. And like it's these same forces, I think, Michael, to your point that men are the common denominator there and it's just this <laughs> they don't know how to cope with new groups treading on their ground you know it's true i don't think i don't think everyone could see your your air quotes i air quoted on their <laughs> you ground said, you air quoted on their ground quote unquote. I, saw, I saw it but i don't think everyone else did everyone i air quoted <laughs> yeah and, and a lot of it it's funny so most of this leads back to our overall society and what we've been taught is is manly. Um, and what we've been taught, it means to be a man, right? To to be this person that has to be always chivalrous. But the, the problem is that it's gotten to this point where people see either chivalry or utter masculinity as some kind of reward system. Where if they do these things enough, they will get what they ask for. They will get in return. And what they want is... Is sex, right? That's what, that's what, <laughs> huh? essentially, that's all that's huh? supposed to lead to that is if I get the best job, if I make the most money, if I get the nicest car and then I'm nice to women, they should all want me, right? That's, or, or if I'm the big jock who, who runs everything and does everything I'm supposed to do and I'm a man of my house, then she will want me. Well, no, women are people who have their own minds and make their own decisions on what they want to do. But there's been generations and generations of this talk as someone who was raised in the South, um, you know, and and was taught chivalry as well, but also was taught that men were the head of the household, right? That men had to be the stronger and the faster and look out for those that were weaker than them. And we were taught that women were weaker. It's difficult to to get break yourself out of that. Mm -hmm. Now, me, myself, I had a lot of strong uh, feminine role models to look up to. My mother's a very strong woman. My grandmothers are all strong. And through nerdery, I was taught that there were strong women as well. You either look at Star Wars or Star Trek or even Marvel comics, and there are strong women throughout. But for the most part, what I got it from is my sister, who's my my older sister, beat me up constantly. So <laughs> I knew <laughs> that a as, woman, as she should, a woman could could be the more dominant in the relationship, and there's no questions about that. And it's led to me um, marrying a strong woman. And also making me think of how I need to raise my sons. So for those of you, I'm, I'm new to this whole podcast. Uh, I have a two-year-old son with another one on the way uh, in the next few weeks oh. or so. So it's made me have to think about what I have to teach them is masculinity. And I already have 
a great set of people to point to to say that's what a man is not in our political spectrum right now. So that's good news. That makes yeah. it easier. Uh, but but it, it, it does – I have to change what I was taught. And I think a lot of the guys who we see who own nerdery, as it were, were taught the same thing. I don't know if you guys have the same um, relationship with your fathers. I mean my dad didn't let me wear the color yellow when I was a kid because he thought it was too girly. I couldn't sit but a certain a way in the But he's a Steelers fan. He is, right? That's weird. But yeah. like purple I couldn't wear – like, I had to make sure that I was, like, sitting up like a man. And my dad's not a bad person. It's just what he thought was being a man. Right. And I, I'm actually curious, um, you know, given given the pop culture that you've consumed, you know, mm-hmm. as a young man yourself and, you know, a lot of this nerdery, uh, and even a lot of what we talked about, are there any things that, you know, you... <laughs> so, just for full disclosure, <laughs> I just watched uh, the Chipmunks movie, uh, Chipmunk okay. Adventure. Uh, okay. Like old 1988 movie uh, that I loved as a kid. I just watched it with my nephew about an hour ago, and uh, as much as I remember loving it, it's a little racist. It's a little <laughs> like sexist. It has these little, you know, it, like you might expect in a in a late 80s movie, it, little sprinkles of stuff that aren't quite great. Um, yeah. yeah. When you look feel back like, at the 80s, you realize um, they were not good. They they weren't woke. The entire decade. They was weren't just quite bad. woke. Uh, no. Yeah. To be fair, to be fair, well, here's what we had the Cosby's, and now we don't. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. 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 Um, that was the one thing we had from the '80s mm. was that example, and now it's like, oh, yeah. super duper. Yeah. And so <laughs> I'm curious, Curtis, on as you move forward, I, I feel like you know, comics. I think Star Wars, to a certain extent, given who the people who, you know, we talked about ownership of them. I think the people who right. are running the show right now, particularly Marvel comics, I think are very, uh, very mindful of women's rights and feminism and you know and you know civil rights stuff like that i think star wars is becoming more you know directed sort of things are there certain things that you want your sons to see or not see as you bring them up in the nerd culture that you grew up in god it's a tough one i know put you on the spot my man i (sighs) welcome to the podcast trends in low places what's up just bringing up tough questions just we don't lob softballs here yeah uh, I hard one baseball though. No, I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. Um, I want them to see everything, but I want to be there to explain it to them. So it's it's funny. It's I think about Star Wars, which I I love. It's one of my favorite fandoms to be a part of. And there really wasn't a positive black character in Star Wars until Mace Windu came along and in the prequels. Right, Lando Calrissian was a traitor. He betrayed his best friend. He's a dick. And a right? scoundrel like in, and I mean, a gambler and all those things. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, he did it. I mean, he, he, he did had it to a, save. He, he was a he leader looked, of, a, of a city. He did it to save his people, but he still betrayed he his great. friend. Right. I mean, William December Williams is a beautiful man. <laughs> he did look fly He's as hell. Let's not, let's not forget how, how pimp he looks. And I'm excited about Donald Glover being in that role in that movie. <laughs> but um, I want them to see because it's beautiful that when I was a kid, there was, you know, I could look at someone and I could see Luke Cage be called a character called power man and that was cool to me and he was one in a few right we had falcon we had power man we had black panther and and those guys are getting portrayed in the movies now as pretty big characters and so i want them to see that and to understand where we've come from just like how my parents could show me old shows on on nick at night or talk to me about things that they'd seen before and where we've evolved to. 
Because what I don't want to go away is the fact that the struggle is still there, right? My children will grow up with a father who is a consultant and a mother who's a doctor. And they may never want for anything, but I don't want them to not understand what's out there for them, right? This world isn't set up for them. It's just not. And and there's, I know people are going to want to say that, you know, we've gotten past this point, but we haven't. Um, we're just not there and they need to understand that. Like my kids are going to watch Roots when they're in elementary school. There is no way around it. They have to see, they have to understand where we've come from to see where we're at. To understand that when I was a kid, my mom told me that we could be anything we wanted to be. And yet everything I saw in everything I watched in comics and in movies told me, or in music told me that I could be, to get to where I needed to be at the top, I needed to be either an entertainer or an athlete. Or from the comic book stuff, like a superhero in the future, right? <laughs> Other than that, I wasn't getting to the top. Now, now my kids have Obama to look at, and that's great, right, to see. But they still need to understand what was done before then to get to get here. So yeah, I want them to go through, you know, watching things like hell. I'll go back to Star to Star Trek, right? We had Jodie LaForge, who was maybe the lamest character on Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some sweet. The, the visors were cool, but then you had Cisco on Deep Space Nine, which was the worst Star Trek. But still, he was in Curtis. charge. Curtis, you also had yep. Uhura. Lieutenant Uhura was there early days. She was early days, but then she made out with Kirk, you know, and it felt dirty. That was Do you feel more of a responsibility towards your your sons as a as a black person or as a as a man? Um, I, I mean, obviously it's both, but right. like what, like the I difficulties think, are both there. I think it's, I think it's, um, I, I need to teach them more what, what it is to be probably a black person that they need to understand what it's like to be a black person in the situation that they're in now. I have other family members who I can, they have both their grandfathers who are both strong men who could help me with the, the man conversation. I mean, I can do it myself, right? But my father was raised, you know, with a single mother who, you know, and didn't really know his father that well. So he he learned to be a man on his own and and with the help of my great grandfather as well. Um, some other men that came into his life. Um, but his circumstances were different than mine. I was raised in the suburbs. I was raised around mostly white people my entire life, um, which may have contributed to my taking up of the nerdery. Right. Because a lot of kids in the ghetto aren't reading comic books, aren't going to arcades every day. Like I was, um, and I want my kids to understand how to be black in that world. You know, it's 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 different. It's hard to be in your high school and be the only black kid you see in honors classes, and to understand that that's one that's not okay, right, for our society. But two, you have to excel still because everyone's looking at you, thinking that you're a token. So, getting back on the topic of the the fragile masculinity, I guess, or like yeah. toxic masculinity. Yeah. Like, do you do you see a difference between black culture and white culture as it goes towards masculinity and being a man because i know that the that i mean i'm generalizing a lot here but like black culture has been very slow to accept homosexuality and metrosexuality or whatever you want to call it as far as like dudes pampering themselves without a doubt so i mean like do you still see that divide between the between the the cultures there i think when you look at both can be measured by what's happening in the south essentially 
right? Southern men, Southern white men and, and black men are on the same kind of wavelength when it comes to accepting things that are different. The acceptance of LGBT people you've seen in the black community was due to us having a strong leader um, and Barack Obama accepting gay marriage and having someone like Michelle Obama come out and talk about it and someone like Oprah. It's taken time and it will. And it's all based in the church as well. So, you know, they keep hearing that this is an abomination that they shouldn't accept. Um, so I don't, I don't know if they're that divided, um, on that one. I think that masculinity can be seen in, in music and culture and sports and everything. It can be seen throughout, um, you know, male society, white, black, Latino. Um, I'm not as up on, on Asian culture, but, um, you know, well, actually, no, take that back. I am. So from what uh, I see more in, in anime and everything else. <laughs> it's it's an overall society issue where Kush can we, tell you all about all of the Asians all at once. <laughs> yeah, I slipped right, up Kush? one time in our last episode. Um, I do I do want to. I have one thought, and then I want to tie us back to something Michael said about uh, men pampering themselves. Um, so I, one thought to bring us back to something, um, something that gives <laughs> me hope, Curtis, and I hope you feel this way. And you know, I think it ties back to what we talked about earlier in that you know we're slowly um, starting to see a lot more female representation in, in pop culture and big movies like, like Ghostbusters, like Star Wars. Uh, we're starting to see more uh, multicultural representation, uh, particularly in Rogue One. I think it was one of the most like cultural casts ever in a, in a blockbuster movie. Um, something that gives me hope is that despite the outcry from a small vocal group of people on Twitter and Reddit, for instance, like, racists yeah yeah a small <laughs> vocal group of racists like the grand like the the larger group of people the you know the larger population is accepting and excited to see those people represented and i think it's it's awesome that people like your son are going to grow up or both of your sons are going to grow up seeing that on screen and in music and having you know those sorts of characters represented on screen that they can see themselves in that little girls will be able to see themselves in Jen or so um you know it, i think that's awesome and i think that despite the dying cries of a hopefully small vocal group of racists <laughs> and sexists and whatever that's happening like it's just it makes sense for it to, to happen like those characters will continue to be seen in increasing numbers and that gives me hope just even there's someone who likes to see new characters like as much as i under like i as a white guy, I can go to almost any movie and be like, oh, yeah, I see myself in Luke Skywalker. That's just a white right. dude. Like, I got that. But I like seeing myself and other people. And I, I'm so excited for, you know, your son to be able to walk into a movie and see, you know, in a couple years when the Han Solo movie comes out, uh, Donald Glover will be Lando Calrissian. Like, you know, he'll be able to see himself hopefully in a good role model character who's not just a scoundrel. To me, that's awesome. I hope I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, but. no, it's it's fantastic. Like I'll give you an example. So I got in late on the Mass Effect train. In Mass Effect, you're able to make your character into whatever you know you want. Curtis, to what be. is Mass I Effect was, for our non-nerd so, listeners? So, so Mass Effect is a or for a, Michael. Oh, it's a videos, James. It's it. It's <laughs> one of them. One of them games. The video. It is. It is a video game series that is essentially a space opera that allows you to create a character. To create a character, and it's an RPG, um, to create a character named Shepard. Shepard can be a male, Shepard can be a female, and the game will adapt as it needs to, 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 to attune to that. And my Shepard was a black male, 
and he was the hero of the galaxy, right? That's incredible. And that's one of the first times I've ever seen that before in my life at 30, at 33 years old, right? That's when you see that. And so, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. But what's funny to me is that the more I think back, and I know George Lucas takes a lot of crap for uh, Jar Jar Binks in episode one because uh, that was horrible. Because it's the worst. But if you He's look back, bad. and so a lot, of, a, lot of the, a lot of the racists online, and, and let me, one thing I want to say here, um, it's not alt-right. Everyone, it's it's racist, racist. or white white supremacist. I was Nazis. I want to I want to jump Nazis. in <laughs> to build on that. It's not just it's also sexist, misogynist, like anti-feminist. Correct. It's that a true. massive just conglomeration of terrible yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so so the horrible people they wanted to say that they were depicting the empire as a bunch of as a Nazi white supremacist group and the uh, the rebels as this ragtag group of multicultural people led by women. Hey guys, who who were nerds back in the in the seventies and eighties? That was always the case. That's literally what was happening in episode one, two, and three. I'm sorry, three. Four, I'm sorry, four, five, and six. Is that they you name the episodes kind of, which shall not be named? You fool! Were, <laughs> I'm sorry. They were always kind of showing this multicultural group of people. Like think about all the aliens that are part of the Rebel Alliance compared to what the Empire was. Right. So that was. They were already hitting you over the head with that then. It's not some new thing that was created by the SJWs to make you sad. Yeah. I I will say before this gets just to be a Star Wars nerd cast. I'm going to stop. I I want to rewind to something that Michael mentioned. Can I jump in real quick? Oh, man. Please. To talk about. I need to talk talk about Star Wars real quick. Okay. Okay. Lay it on me. What are we doing? Fucking So speaking speaking of all of the aliens that are involved in the Rebel Alliance. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of them, but I can't help yeah. but notice that the people who do all of the stuff, yeah. the heroes, so to speak, are mm-hmm. always humans. How dare you? It is always humans. Maybe a Wookiee helps out. How dare you besmirch the Mon Calamari? The who? The yeah. what? Are you, sir? Did you just call? <laughs> Wait, there's a Mon Calamari? Like... Like the Admiral Akbar is, is, is a Mon yeah. Calamari, but all Don't he does, dare, all sir. he does, is yell about it being a trap. He doesn't actually get <laughs> anything done. The people who are flying all of the ships and cre- and doing all the shit Michael, and getting the medals Michael. in the movies are always human. It is a very wow. humanistic movie. To be fair, Chewie didn't get a medal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. They, that's just. It's just wrong. Michael, it's like you never heard of Nian Nub before. <laughs> I have never heard of Nian Nub. Okay. Well, then you can just leave because he was <laughs> Lando Calrissian's Solaston co-pilot. Gonna, he helped say, take down Death Star Two with two layers of face. Yeah, he that's had a <laughs> he had a lot of layer of face. Uh, the Ewoks very integral. Oh God. No. Okay, Michael, just no. so just take your humanist agenda and just sh- cram it up your ass, okay? <laughs> yeah, Michael, if you haven't sat through the horror that is the actual Ewok movie, I you don't know what you're talking about. The Christmas special? have, but I probably blocked it yeah. out of my mind. Yeah, you, anyway, you watch that. So now that Go I... Go back to your point, Kush. I need to... Yeah, I think it fits nicely because I need to just... <laughs> Just clean myself of that entire conversation, <laughs> you, you fool. So, Michael, you mentioned, you know, it'll be looked down upon uh, for males to pamper themselves. So we started thinking about this idea of toxic or fragile masculinity that, you know, that men so needed to be really, yeah, needed to be just confirmed they were manly men. 
yeah. on a daily basis. And there's you gotta, a lot of you gotta products coddle that, like, that masculinity. You, you gotta cuddle it like a baby. <laughs> um, but you know, we were talking about like what are things that aren't okay for men to do. Like what are what are those things that generally frowned upon for men to talk about? You know, a lot of it's feelings or whatever. And I realized that I'd never had a mani pedi before, and I hmm. really wanted to do that for myself. And I told you about it, and I know you went ahead and did it with uh, Ooh, with some I folks. I did. I did. Curtis, have you have you ever treated yourself to a little mani pedi action? Yeah, I I have not, and my wife has been telling me to do it forever. Oh, it's and here's what happened. Amazing. This is the sad part, right? This is the sad part of of fragile masculinity. I'm like, no, man. You know, I don't need to get a mani pedi. That's something girls do. Right in my head, Curtis. Then, let me then, tell you about I know. my toesies. My <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Old old Curtis Senior, the pop, tells me that he gets a mani pedi on the regular, mm-hmm. and he loves it. And I say to myself, "What am I doing? What what am I doing? Depriving what I- yourself of amazing feeling." Okay, that's yeah. what, and that's what I've, I've heard. I and never, I'm sad about it now. I never like believe that it could be so delightful like why was i depriving myself for so long you get a little toe rub little footsie rub the the gunk that came off my feet you guys i cannot even tell you michael how was your experience i know you went with a big old group huh i did i you know all of i was in a wedding for my sister i was uh, a groomsman my sister's fiance is a wonderful man and all of the ladies you know my wife her mother my sister my mom you know, a couple other people were going to get Manny Petties, and I was like, I don't have anything to do on this day. Why am I not going to get pampered? Um, and I convinced the fiance and his dad as well to go get Manny Petties, and it was it was amazing. I had no idea what I was doing. I probably allowed them to upsell me on on pretty much everything you mm-hmm. could because my Manny mm-hmm. Petties ended up costing like eighty dollars, which I'm pretty sure that's not what it's supposed to cost, but. I had lemons rubbed on my legs with like salt Jeez, sure. uh, and yeah. and there was like exfoliation happening and it was it was incredible. And I, it, I'm mad that it took me 34 and a half years to have this um, experience. And, you know, my mom is a hairstylist. She grew up. I grew up around salons. I could have gotten a mani-pedi at any time in my life, probably for close to free. And I didn't. didn't. It was even I one time I was out with. I was out with uh, our our good friend Matt Moody, and a friend of his. Never heard of him. <laughs> a friend of his in in New York, and she was like, "I really want to go get a pedicure," and we're like, "Yeah, okay, we'll go get grab lunch." And she's like, "Well, come with me, and I'll pay for you guys to get a manicure or a pedicure." And you said and no. We both, well, me and Matt both were like, "We'll get manicures, but not pedicures, because that's that's the best part." Yeah, the and best part. I. Um, you want the newest installment and Michael Cushing is slightly racist against Asians? <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, no, I, I want to hear this one. This sounds fun. So I went on a, a Sunday and it was, you know, definitely a family business. So I walk in and like, okay, take, you know, take chair one. And I sit down, take my shoesies off, roll up those socks and just, you know, kind of get in there. And then a very small child like came over to like fill up like the tub the whirlpool or whatever 
and I could not tell if it was a fully grown Asian woman, and I just got very uncomfortable. I was oh, like, I'm pretty man. sure that's a small child, but I don't know, and I, I'm very uncomfortable. That's rough. Yeah, and then luckily she was just there, and I, I had to make very awkward small talk with a young with a young child, and then thank thankfully she was not rubbing my feet, but it was it was very intensely uncomfortable for the. The, the first 10 minutes of my visit and yes i fully own my my racism and i don't care for it but it's there and i can't help it i'm sorry i it's fine i don't know if i can trust you anymore but that's i know i don't know to be fair did you trust him in the first place i don't trust either one of you guys well uh, that's fair just, that, that's fair speaking Very of fair. that yeah. you want, so let's get back to the meat of this show trends in low places which curtis sure. if you're not familiar sure. with the show i don't know if you've heard our first two episodes because literally no one has um the show is <laughs> i've heard trans- episode one how oh. dare you well that was the worst one yeah. so sorry <laughs> um, the show is called trends in low places which yep. we look at trending topics on mm-hmm. twitter facebook reddit Seen a Weibo, maybe maybe a little Russian Twitter. I don't know what it's called. Sure, I don't know. So trending earlier, not necessarily right now, is mm-hmm. a little thing called white genocide. Oh, Ooh, you said it. I, said I it. Actually, actually said it, and it was trending because a <gasps> professor at Drexel I assume, University. I assume that when you say white genocide, you mean white people committing genocide of everyone who's not white. Oh no no. No no no, 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 my friend. Le- huh, no, no. this man describe it. Huh. Yes. What? So Okay. White gen- so the tweet that sparked the trending topic was a Drexel professor uh who mm-hmm. tweeted on December twenty fourth, Christmas Eve, Jesus' birthday, that all he wants for Christmas is white genocide. Um <laughs> mm-hmm. and then he clarified on Sunday by saying, to clarify, when the whites were massacred during the Haitian Revolution that was a good thing indeed. Um, so mm-hmm. there was a bit of a mm-hmm. uproar uh, by the, we've already talked about the alt-right or racist of Twitter mm-hmm. and Reddit. Nazis. Um, that, you know, yelling for this guy's head, pretty much. Uh, but white genocide is this idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to speak, speak telltales out of school. Um, if I say anything yeah. wrong, please jump in. But it's this yeah. false idea that, again, oh. I think to tie it all together with what we were talking about earlier, that... Uh, just as nerd culture, as you might think, is being subs- is being expanded to include, you know, other groups of people, that the dom historically dominant white culture in this mm-hmm. country is um expanding, but to <laughs> certain uh, or the culture of America is expanding to include other groups and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Curtis, please jump in whenever. Uh, I can no no. I can make this more succinct for you. This please. is what they believe. Because I'm and, so and, it, it, it's oh god. I okay. was trying to be delicate. Here here is here is what people believe is leading to white genocide. It is the fact that this country is now being there are immigrants who are coming in who are non white, and that interracial relationships combined with this immigration are leading to the death of white culture as it is and the end of the white race what the hell is white so culture where most people might consider That's a genocide so to be killing point, people uh, right white genocide right. is just like oh there are other people just kind of mm, 
Here's what here's what I have to say, and I, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this to all everybody who's who's white out there. I I, I love you. Lots it's of called competition. Grow the fuck up. Competition sounds like an evolutionary concept, <laughs> which I do not accept through my my white cultural church teaching, sir. Please let me, back off. Let me How let me break this you, down sir. for you people. And, and 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 as I go into this, I may get more ethnic as the time goes on. Here, here's this goes. My Stephen A. Smith might come the fuck out here. Here's how this works. Things 400 years ago, black people were slaves in this country. Right? Mm-hmm. 300 years ago, Depends on the, the, Chinese were here, the Chinese were here building, building railroads. Mm-hmm. Not, not until... Not... Let me go back a little... I'm oh, sorry. 200 years ago, this country essentially stole land from Mexico to make three states. Four states, sorry. I digress. <laughs> Only a fucking generation ago... Did people outside of white male culture begin to get rights? <laughs> That's a true story. So you're saying and now that white culture people... is dying left and right. I'm That's sorry. What I'm hearing I'm from sorry. You. So you're white... saying you're trying to murder let me, let me, let me, white let me, culture. Let me actually get this to the right. This is straight, white, non-Judeo-Christian people began to get rights. So what, what you essentially have is that people who are saying... I set up this system, or my ancestors set the system up so that advantages exist and that I should be able to do the same job my grandfather did. I should be able to get education at the lowest level and still experience some level of success in both business and with the fairer sex, right? These are things that I should have, quote unquote, entitled to. Are we talking about entitlements now? Oh, 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 we went there. Because that's part of the genocide. <laughs> Sounds like you're talking about safe spaces, <laughs> because, Michael, because which I think uh, are this horse genocide. Shit. This genocide, for some reason, unlike every other genocide in human history, does not involve actual murder. What it involves is you being beaten out by someone else for something that you want. This reminds me, we, we keep going back to Louis C.K. jokes on this a little bit, but it's uh, his quote about, like, you know, if you're a time traveler, if you're white, you can go backwards to any yep. point in history, and they'll yep. be like, oh, here's your table, please, have fun. You cannot go forward. Nope. <laughs> nope. Cause you cannot. Again, it's, like, even on the nerd culture on this thing, it's just this, like, false idea that other people being included in the thing that you love and enjoy and, like, benefit from in like a lot of life? ways, means that you will no longer benefit from it. It's this. It's this ridiculous thing that well, other people mean. Other people being involved means your enjoyment or your your success dies. Which it's that that's such a false, stupid equivalent. Idea. So are you trying to say it's... that like white people are the ultimate hipsters? <laughs> because isn't that like the whole hipster culture? I was like, into ruling I, the world before it was cool. I, yeah, I like things before they were cool, and now that they're cool. I don't like them anymore. So basically, it's like white people are like, I liked having a life and being able to do things that I wanted to do without anyone stopping me before it I was guess cool. If, I guess if and now that everyone else the can Illuminati, do it, you might have a point, but <laughs> there's a right. bit like, of a it's, disconnect. It's, it's just, it's hilarious to me that they consider this issue, like say for instance, the people who work in coal mines, right? They are unwilling to be retrained or to move to different locations to do different jobs. Black people in the South literally did that to get out of the South. Hence, the black population in Chicago and St. Louis and in New York. That's how that happened. The same with Latinos. They move everywhere. 
we'll go wherever the jobs are. But it seems like, for the most part, Southern white people just, no, I'm not moving. I'm not changing. I want this factory job forever. And if that job is done by someone in another country, it's not It's not my job to get better at something else. It's It's their fault for taking everything from me. And I don't, I don't, I can't put myself in that mindset. Well, not to mention that it's, it's not just, <laughs> it's not just the fact that people are doing it in another country. It's that we can do it here more efficiently with robots. <laughs> with robots? Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. robots. And so, we talked, we talked about this a little bit in episode two. You know, it's, it's not Mexico and China that are taking our jobs. It's the fact that we're getting better at doing the shit we already do. So it's 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 billionaires. Also, no, I got to say, this. I'm sorry, because I got to get in there. No, the other part of my genocide is the the interracial dating part. Right now, I myself married a black woman, but have dated white women before. I'm sorry if you're not trying hard enough. If you're not doing the work to get the ladies of the fair skin, it's not black and Latino and Asian guys' fault, man. You got to work hard. You got you got to impress the ladies. So you got to have some game. <laughs> So Curtis, I feel or, like you actually just stumbled upon. So this is from Reddit. Uh, this is I, I, I feel like the way to ooh, tie all this together. Yes, uh, I'm excited. The most trending topics on Reddit, uh, and I think something that's maybe most likely to drive the deepest, <laughs> darkest pits of Reddit uh, insane. <laughs> Apparently, uh, breaking news: Reddit co-founder Alexis O'Hanahan, one of the yep, guys. Who's, I heard about this. Yeah. <laughs> Engaged to Serena Williams, my what? girl. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. What? Yeah. Wait. And what? Yeah. I can't Wait. The Reddit. It. One of the Reddit co-founders is engaged to Serena Williams. Yeah. Yeah. That girl. Wait. She's off the market. Yeah. Which is oh. Oh. I mean, I'm, I'm married. I'm mad at it. I'm, I'm married, it. but you know, I would probably leave my wife for Serena Williams. I'm not gonna lie. Speaking of nerd hey, culture hey, going hey. going mainstream, this beard neck bearded piece of shit. <laughs> hey, hey guys, we talked this really, this actually queen of the universe. A little Williams. bit of this leads back to the fragile masculinity. Yeah, mm-hmm. remember when when Serena Williams' pictures first came out to Sports Illustrated with her in that white bikini? Oh, I remember. Don't worry about it. So there were so many men who were. She looks like a man. Oh, get the fuck! Too out many of here. muscles. She's get so you know. She's Fuck too muscular. Out. Meanwhile, for the most part, I'm not gonna lie. Most black men were like, "Damn, look, look, look at all of that." And now, all of a sudden, as we've moved here, some some ten years later, Ronda Rousey, mm-hmm. right? That's that's sexy. Mm-hmm. Gina Carano, that's sexy. Just these women, like Jesse Graff on American Ninja Warrior, that's sexy. These women who are who are strong and built and have large posteriors and could probably beat you up are now sexy and it's just like we have to get to this point where we're okay with that how what serena williams has always been gorgeous that's just the way that's been <laughs> nothing nothing had to change it right just because we didn't think that muscles were sexy and now so people are like honkies. oh god damn it this son of a bitch got serena williams 10 years ago you would have been like we'll have that man i don't care yeah you can beat me up <laughs> <laughs> and I, I unfortunately i'm sure there are a number of reddit subreddits who are saying all that shit which i do not care about. oh I, and I'm they're gonna sure. get into the whole interracial the race mixing thing right because mm-hmm. she might she might pop out her a caramel baby oh my god that baby would be first adorable off, let's just first let's off, not even lie that baby would be amazing looking 
well let's let's look well, at actually this. i don't so, know but i don't know what that dude looks like but any of serena williams babies is going to be amazing looking so here, here's here's what i've said there's an example of a human being who is the combination of of african-american blood and and samoan blood who may be the most perfect human being to ever exist on this planet he is the man that god points to and says this is what i meant for the rest of you this is what you're all meant to be mm-hmm. you're the rest of your all experiments and that man i speak of is none other than dwayne the rock johnson now it's beautiful beautiful it's man interesting you brought him up i was i was wondering how we were gonna work him into this because <laughs> oh i can always work <laughs> Dwayne the Rock into a conversation. <laughs> I mean, I think I think we all know how we all feel about the Rock, but I I think I think he provides an interesting capstone on this masculinity question, uh, the the topic we've been talking about. Because um, I think while I love the Rock, I I really appreciate his brand of literally everything, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I value him as a very positive force in the universe. I feel like you know on social media, he like I feel like he's hardworking. He loves life. He he really. He really uplifts people. Like he's he's very involved in like veterans helping you know disabled folks. He's very that, but he also espouses you know to your point a lot in a lot of ways this brand of masculinity, given who he is and what he looks like, you know calls people candy ass for not being super manly. Like um you know he he just filmed the Baywatch movie and a lot of his a lot of his like Instagram posts were like very much about like how hot the women he surrounds himself with. And like, as much as I love the rock, he also embodies a lot of the stuff that we talked about as negative before. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. And I feel like that's you know we we've talked a little bit in, in past okay. episodes about on the other hand and holding two ideas in your head. I, I love the rock. I love everything he stands for. I think he's a positive force, but I think he also brings a lot of that toxic things with him. On the other side Wait. of that coin, though, is Terry Crews. He's my man. I love that man. He's the who best. is just a beastly man who can make his titties dance, which I am probably the most jealous of anything. Mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. of my entire life is I tried I wish to make I, one I wish of my titties I had... dance just now yeah. it didn't work out. No, I, I just I just lifted my shoulder up. It, no, it just you're just <laughs> going like this. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't do anything. <laughs> um he <laughs> he was on uh, one of the late night talk shows talking about how he, he decided to carry a purse, basically, because he's the, he's the best. He doesn't have enough pockets for shit. And you know, he's just a he's similar to the rock. He's a big dude. He could basically destroy anyone in his path, but, you know, he understands that masculinity is not necessarily about... And I think the, those two boys, two very beefy boys, present different the ends of the spectrum when it comes to uh, to masculinity. And, and as much as I, I do love The Rock, and I feel like a lot of that is grounded in, like, my historical enjoyment of ideas of manhood, and I think, I think even The Rock is very aware of a lot of those things. I think he chooses to present himself in a different way. I think Terry Crews is a fascinating example of even not just not just you know that level of masculinity, but even also if you've watched Brooklyn Nine Nine, just the way he represents or like his character on that show at least represents race. Like he's not that angry black man; he's just a very sensitive dad. He's he's got all these things. Terry Crews, I fell in love with no that show. There was an episode where he is trying to put together a dollhouse. For his daughter, I remember that episode. Yeah, and he is just like in the break or in the uh, evidence room, the evidence locker, and he is just fighting, trying to put together this dollhouse. The only time I don't know where the wheels go. 
The only time he gets upset on that show is when he's trying to either defend his daughters, do something nice for them, or he's struggling with like his weight, and that's it. It's the best. He's he's just this guy who's with yeah, dedicated news. to his family. It's great. Yeah. So, Kush, to your earlier question about masculinity and what I want to teach my sons about being a man, I, I plan on telling them essentially, you being a man, your level of manliness is nothing physical. It really isn't. It's all mental. It's are you a are you a fucking adult, right? The fact that you have a penis is one thing. Super duper. It can be really great, right? Depending on how you use it. Super super news. Um, are you willing to learn new things? Are you willing to grow as a person? Are you willing to just be you? Being being a man, just like being a woman, is just accepting who you are, right? I can point to myself to them and say, hey, I was a nerd from the suburbs who the black kids made fun of, the white kids made fun of, everybody did, and, and I was, but I did what I wanted to do. I was in the marching band and the goddamn academic team and and the, the robotics team and went to college and Meow found potato. a group of friends that I got along with. You were in that. I saw that. And and I was a mathlete. God damn it, fine. <laughs> All right? Yeah, I was those things. And those things made me happy. And I went to college and I said to myself, you know, maybe I won't ever find, you know, somebody who understands me. But I did. I found the love of my life who happened to be the head cheerleader in high school. How the fuck did that happen? I have no idea. And she's also a doctor. Who the fuck knew? But here's the thing. Live your life. My number one rule for my kids. I told my wife this. I told my kids. I, t- I told them. I told my both my boys this in the womb. Rule number one from daddy. Don't be a dick. That's really it. If you can do that one. Right, you can make it through life pretty good. That's well, a great life rule. Rule, rule, number, rule number two. Rule number two, though, is don't do meth. Just <laughs> right. never, 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 never do, do meth. meth. So I Just gotta be honest, not even with you guys. I think that's a pretty good way to close out the show. <laughs> I think rules one and two: don't do meth. <laughs> and then I think the most trending topic of all time: don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. I, I feel <laughs> Just like don't the, be a dick. I feel like this entire episode has been about do not be a dick. Do not be a dick. Whether it be comics, masculinity, or anything, gentlemen, or or your your vapid racism, just don't be a dick. <laughs> I think I think that's the the whole the whole show. I think this one here is like the idea is like if there's a thing you love, if it's your life, someone else loves it too, and you don't own the love of that thing. <laughs> so don't be a dick about the things you love. Don't be a big dick about the things you don't love. If someone else loves it, accept that. I think that's like I think that's the where we leave it on that one. Uh, oh, episode three title. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Guys, we nailed it. Nailed it. Hashtag capstone. Yeah. What up? <laughs> well, Michael, are there any trending topics that you want to close this out on? Anything on uh, Russian Twitter that you really just want to bring up? <laughs> There's nothing on Russian Twitter, but I do want to I do want to go back a little bit to uh, our discussion about Christmas and the war on Christmas. Oh. Oh, the war on Christmas. Please. Laid on me, my this. dude. Okay. Let's go back. We, I'm going to talk about nativity scenes real quick. Okay. Lay it on me. War on Christmas. So, <laughs> the war on Christmas. So I was walking to a bar the other day. And by the other day, I mean Christmas Eve. Uh, huh. As you do. Walking to a bar around 11 o'clock uh, p.m. And I walked past a nativity scene that just had Joseph and Mary. They were praying to an empty manger. And <laughs> my first thought because I'm from, you know, we live in Chicago, is, oh, my God, somebody stole baby Jesus. And then my mm-hmm. second thought was like, well, maybe. That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe since baby Jesus isn't technically born yet, 
they're waiting mm-hmm. to put out baby Jesus. And uh, we joked a little bit. Ha ha. Wouldn't it be funny if they put out baby Jesus at midnight? So mm-hmm. we went to the bar, um, saw a little bit of Krampus at the bar, came back from the bar about 1230. And lo and behold, Christmas miracle baby jesus was in that manger he has arrived Mm. he has arrived the child has arrived the king of kings the king of Mm. kings Uh, what a beautiful thing (laughs) and i thought Uh, to myself how many many people were with you (laughs) there were three people four other people no it wasn't it wasn't we weren't the wise men we definitely (laughs) were not the wise men did you did you approach from the west i did not have any gold frankincense or myrrh i don't know what nobody has fucking myrrh I don't even <laughs> or frankincense. I know what gold is. And so, like, I was like, you know, these people, uh, they thought to themselves, like, hey, we're gonna put out a nativity scene, but we really want it to be a live, just a live stream nativity. Yeah. We're gonna put out yeah. just Joseph and Mary for like possibly weeks, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. on Christmas at midnight, yeah. we're gonna come outside and we're gonna put up. And this was not just a normal nativity scene. These these freaking things were lit up. So they mm-hmm. had to like plug in Jesus to light up. And the dedication for a joke that maybe like three of their neighbors might notice. And right. we just happened to see it before and after. I admired it so much that two, that two they th- did this. Two things there. One, this is the big city. <laughs> People go hard. <laughs> two, what I've noticed moving from the south and this is impressive as someone who who witnessed the Baptist church up close as a person in, in, in the South. The Midwest does church hard. The churches here are ridiculous. And they are expensive looking. So yeah, if you're going to go nativity, you're doing it right up in Chicago. The land of Christianity. I feel well, like I need to go back, though, on January 6th, uh, Epiphany, mm-hmm. oh. when the wise men supposedly showed up. Yeah. Um, I don't know if everyone knows this, but 12 days of Christmas are the days between Christmas and Epiphany. Yep. Um, when the gifts actually arrived. I need to go back on Epiphany and see if the three wise men show up. Well, I think you, I Michael, think you you've heard my tale. <laughs> so I think that you can appreciate how much I appreciate a traditional approach to the Christmas story. And... I cannot tell you how much I really love that these people took the time to not only have a nativity, fill mm-hmm. it out with the requisite people, maybe throw a donkey out there, a lamb, throw a baby Jesus out there at a time a time appropriate to his birth. Yeah. And not, you know, like have a fucking disco ball or like a roller skating kangaroo come in. <laughs> because that's the kind of bullshit I would expect from the church I went to on my Christmas Eve. And I think it is fantastic that you had such a lovely traditional christmas eve experience and i wish to god i had had one because i hate those people so much it's a christmas miracle kush if i no, it's not a miracle it's a fucking the least you can expect from a christmas (laughs) expression (laughs) if if i've learned anything from the 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 great movie a league of their own from from mr tom (laughs) o'hanks playing jimmy dugan anything worth doing is worth doing right. Tell that to the church get... down the street from my parents. Those motherfuckers <laughs> could not get a single thing right. Anyway, fellas. Mr. Cushing, uh, first, uh, let me ask you one this last question. Because this is, Please. this. the answer to this question can end any podcast, any TV show, any movie. 
perfectly. Would I rather fight a hundred... Go on. (laughs) (laughs) You describe this shit show, as it were, for your Christmas situation and the activity that you were presented. These shit shows that are given to this country are provided by only one place. Where in what state do your parents reside? You know it's Florida. You know it's Florida. <laughs> Friends, this has been Trends in Low Places. I am Michael Cushing, joined as always by Michael Howard and special guest Curtis Perry. Michael, I bid you good evening. Curtis, I love you to death. Good morrow. I bid you adieu, Mr. Cushing. <laughs> See y'all later. Well done, fellas. Ha, 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 ha.